Our first reading is taken from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. Our second reading is taken from John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 
It is so incredibly good to be here with you today. I was really thrilled um, to have the invitation. Because, you know, you're pretty famous. I mean, do you know that? <laughs> just, I suspect that like, you just go about your business just being your church. And um, yeah, this week when, um, when my colleagues you know, have asked, or friends have asked, oh, so where is it you're preaching on Sunday? I'm like, Bloomsbury Baptist Church. They're like, oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, obviously I'm thrilled to be asked to preach anywhere. But, um, but it's particularly wonderful um, to have a chance to come and speak with people who are pioneering in the kind of work that I'm passionate about and that we're trying to do at SCM. So for those of you who don't know, um, what Nigel was talking about earlier, your, um, earlier on this year, your church signed up to be one of the Student Christian Movement's 200 churches. That's 200 churches who we hope will commit to give 200 pounds a year to support us. I mean, at the moment we're about 25. So at the moment you're one of 25, but when we started, we had one. So you know, this is excellent progress. I cannot describe how grateful we are that you signed up. Progressive churches don't have a strong tradition of giving to progressive young people's organizations and it makes it desperately hard to build anything like a sustainable movement. But you, once again, have been one of those churches to lead the way. And you've seen the value of what we're doing, and we're so incredibly grateful. We strive to make safe places of belonging for young progressive Christians while they're at university. Places where they can explore their faith in opening and questioning ways surrounded by those who affirm their identities. SCM is led by students, and so the experience of leading um, becomes for many of our members a firm basis from which to act for good in the world and to inspire others. Your gift to support us financially is important, but it also helps the young people in SCM feel supported by the wider church. And let's be honest, they often don't. It makes them feel encouraged that safe and good places like this exist out in the world beyond university as well as in their little group. As I said earlier, we do lots of events at SEM, networking and resource making to support our students in the communities they find themselves in. But this is a sermon, not a talk about SEM. So I'm just gonna tell you about one thing that we're doing at the moment and allow that to lead us into some reflections for today. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be launching a new series of resources for small groups for progressive Christians. The first in this series is called How to Be a Good Christian Ally. Whilst, of course, we always have more to learn, yours is a church who have pioneered allyship to and with the LGBTQ community. So why come here and talk about it? Well, in one sense, I'm not going to. The course is about our allyship as Christians, how we can grow the kingdom by our actions, and that's not really what I'm going to talk about this morning. <laughs> what I've been thinking about for this sermon is not so much our allyship as God's allyship. Because God is on our side. Not progressives against conservatives, 
but humanity's side. We often think about allying ourselves with God as if it is all on us to find him and put ourselves where he is. But mercifully, as our reading tells us, it is not all on us to find him and put ourselves with him. First and foremost, he comes to us. Even the most ardent campaigner among us has nothing on the passion of God to protect, accompany, and encourage his children. Protect, accompany, and encourage are carefully chosen words. In one of the videos we filmed for the course, a vicar called Tom talked about his image of allyship as sometimes standing in front, sometimes behind, and sometimes alongside. Sometimes we need an ally to protect us, to stand in front of us and take what is being thrown at us. Sometimes we need an ally to walk alongside us, experience life with us, and talk about the tough times. And sometimes we need an ally to say nothing at all, but to shut up and push us forwards, encouraging us to use our own and own our voices. I think Tom's idea was great advice, and I've thought about it a lot since I heard him say it. And I think it's applicable to all forms of allyship, not just to working with the queer community. I was reading an article the other day about some new petty and awful thing that the government have done to asylum seekers. They painted over child-friendly murals in detention centres for fear that children might feel welcome. That feeling that you have right now in the pit of your stomach, that is the fuel for allyship. That horror that a vulnerable person is being neglected or hurt. That sense of injustice and despair at the evil in the world. Those feelings drive us forward. But what do we do about it? Standing in front of the children arriving at those centres is neither practical nor actually kind. It wouldn't comfort them if we were there shouting, even if in their defense. Standing behind them is a non-starter. Encouraging them to speak up for themselves just at the moment of their vulnerability is absurd. But a group of cartoonists found a way to stand alongside. All the famous ones who draw things for um, publications that we know. They came together to draw a lovely, friendly colouring book, introducing life in the UK with Mr Men and Britannia drinking a cup of tea. Putting something warm and positive into the hands of people who have experienced the, wor the worst the world has to offer. It doesn't make that feeling of horror that we just had go away. And it doesn't fix life for the child but in a small way, they are less alone. And that is what allyship literally means. It comes from the same root as alloy, the blending of metals, and ligament, the joining of muscles and bones. It's a binding together in a meaningful way to make something better. 
I doubt that I need to make much of a case then for God being the ultimate ally. He sees us broken and afraid and he comes to be with us. We know this, yet again and again we struggle to remember that God is on our side without us earning it. For progressive Christians, I think the particular way we struggle with this is forgetting that our activism flows from God's love and acceptance and not the other way around. We don't have to make the world a better place so that he loves us, so that we have a place in it. We are already secure in his love and we act from that security not to earn it. So I'm gonna do something a little out of stereotype for SEM. I'm going to use a little systematic theology to think more about how God's allyship manifests itself. Firstly, God behind us. Just by creating us and giving us free will, God began the whole project of humanity as our ally. The act of creation is entirely about standing behind us Drawing the human out of the clay of the earth and setting them in the garden is a profound act of belief in us. Picture a child playing with a doll. Let's make it topical and call her Barbie. The doll's movements about the dream house are dependent. She mimics a life, but she doesn't really have one. The agency is all in the mind of the child playing with her. The child doesn't prompt and encourage the doll, they own her. Now we're used to thinking of our free will as a contrast to that kind of image. But perhaps we don't think so much about the nature of God in that choice to make us free. In the beginning, God is an ally of his creation, watching what we will do like we might hold our breath watching a butterfly emerge from a chrysalis rather than stiffly perform the actions of our owner. Secondly, God is beside us. This is the divine accompaniment of the Holy Spirit. The companionship of God is not theoretical. Jesus did not say he would be with us always in some vague metaphorical way. I think this is why the LGBTQ plus community gets so angry about rainbow washing from big companies and from churches and individuals um, as well. A bland generalized statement of support is no use to you as you trudge through life's messy bits or skip through life's joyous bits. We want to know we have support for the whole journey, that our lives are seen, understood and made part of a greater whole. God's spirit is with us in exactly that way, present for the whole of our lives and offering us fierce comfort to keep us on our way. The Holy Spirit will never leave us standing alone or lost from view. God is an ally who is more committed to us than any other, not just on our side, but by our side. So finally, God ahead of us. Sometimes an ally stands in front and takes the brickbats being thrown at us. Sometimes we just need to stop being hurt because the hurt is too overwhelming. Sometimes getting in the way of the clenched fist or the angry word isn't infantilizing or robbing people of their agency. 
It's just kind. When we pray for protection for those we love, we are asking God to stand in the way of the grief that is coming for them because they lost a child or the humiliation they feel when they've been rejected or the fear they feel when stepping out in courage. Sometimes what we seek from God is the everlasting arms which protect us and enable us to just keep living within the space that he makes for us. But not all assaults come from the outside. The most pernicious attacks come from within and they needed a more permanent solution than God's comfort can offer. The shame of our failures, the propensity to damage our own relationships, the self-destructive turning away from God. These things needed a greater allyship, that of the cross. A lot of progressives struggle with the way that atonement gets talked about and for good reasons. But if we picture Jesus the ally standing between us and these things which hurt us, we see that God being on our side means he is more on our side even than we are. This is allyship we can never hope to mimic because we cannot get between a vulnerable person and the ways they keep hurting themselves. Yes, we can stand beside them. Yes, we can catch them from behind while it happens, but we cannot stand in between. But God can and does, taking all the pain into himself, dying with it, and restoring us to life when he's resurrected. So yes, it is good to think about how we can be better allies in the world, to stand with, behind, and in front of our queer siblings, trans siblings, those experiencing racism, sexism, hatred in all forms. But let's never be drawn into thinking we have to do that or else the kingdom of God is lost. God's allyship began before creation and it lasts until the end of time. When we speak up, we act bravely or we offer comfort, we are not initiating God's goodness. We are expressing it another way on his behalf. We're putting ourselves where God puts God's self learning from the nature of the ones who, who, the one who created, redeemed, and empowers us. When we become allies, we're putting ourselves on God's side because he's already on ours. Amen. Right, let's turn to our Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Excuse my voice this morning, please. Loving God of creation, you have blessed us with the changing of the seasons let us then anticipate some of the unique joys that the season of autumn brings. The rich pageant of nature's vibrant colours, also gently preparing us for the cold embrace of winter ahead. For it is the season of harvest too. Lord, may the harvest from the fields remind us of the abundance that we have been given and the bounty that we are to share with others. A verse from Genesis 8, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Let us therefore give thanks for the Lord of harvest. 
And now for some of the most pressing global concerns. And yet again, the Ukraine conflict remains heavily on our hearts. Yet on a daily basis, we learn of drug wars, terrorist insurgencies, <coughs> ethnic conflicts, and civil wars. God of love, transform the hearts and minds of those who perpetuate violence and oppression. God of peace, we yearn for that promised security, praying that thou wilt listen to these, the deepest cries of our hearts, and bring to this ever aching, deeply hurting world, your sovereign word of peace. We remember starkly at this time the many thousands of displaced people suffering unimaginable loss and injury in the Libyan floods, where thousands are feared dead and missing following the recent catastrophic storms. For those suffering severe food crises in Afghanistan and the Yemen, Lord, look in mercy at similar situations unknown to us and which pass unrecorded. And let us remember now the needs of those nearer home. For those worried about energy bills, the ever-rising food and fuel costs. <coughs> For tens of thousands of students, many on our doorsteps, facing the challenges of new situations and learning to cope with a new independence which many will find daunting. We remember all who serve in the wider care community, doctors, nurses, medical and support staff of every description who give selflessly in that great call of duty. We pray for the infirm, the hospitalized, those who battle addiction, the housebound and the lonely, for many who are rough sleeping, and for others whose home is a simple tent. For those newly bereaved, and for all who struggle to make sense of the present, loving Lord, may they be led to that source of strength and hope. And in conclusion, let us think around that seasonal verse from Isaiah 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God, that lamp to our feet, endures forever. Lord, grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the living of these days. Amen. And so, as we go out from this place, may we recognise when we need allies and when we need to be allies. And remember that it's through God's grace that we have that great example of an ally who stands in front of us or beside us or behind us as the need requires. Amen.